Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, hello. Welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast, uh, the one-stop shop for all of your Cardinals news and information I'm your uh, host tonight, Blake Murphy, at BlakeMurphy7 on Twitter. Uh, tonight, John's out, so we're joined in by one of our top Cardinals writers on the site, Walter Mitchell. He'll be joining to talk about what we're seeing, what we're hearing overall in camp, and uh, take a look at the 53-man roster, something we haven't really uh, looked at before, and then kind of break down a little bit of what we can expect with our first preseason game in the Cliff Kingsbury-Kyler Murray era. A lot of stuff to go over, at least for today. First of all, Walter, how are you doing overall? Great, Blake. I'm looking forward to Thursday night to see some real football. Um, mm-hmm. State State Farm Stadium ought to be loud and packed. Uh, it's an unusual preseason game in that uh, we get to see the debut of Kyler Murray. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I would agree. It's also different because, you know, he's not going to be with the second team or the third team. He's going to be starting, being treated as a starter and as a veteran. We'll see exactly how many snaps he gets. Um, It's also exciting as this is, you know, NFL Network. They kind of were down on the Cardinals in terms of national games this year. But when you're talking about preseason, they're showing up at least two times on the national spotlight in preseason. One of them being uh, this upcoming Thursday night game, which will be on NFL Network. And as I pointed out earlier this week, you know, it's not Fitz, it's not David Johnson, but they were using Kyler Murray as their top advertising for that. So that just shows where the franchise currently is as far as with the hype that this kid is getting as he continually does seem to uh, impress in camp. Did, did you have any thoughts on that as far as if you see this as a transitional kind of period for the Cardinals at least, as far as maybe not stars and names, but just from where the team was overall last year, Walt? Yeah, the, uh, well, first of all, to – piggyback on what you were saying about about Murray and uh, TV coverage I've been hoping that uh, Cardinals will be on TV every week so I don't have to subscribe to NFL <laughs> Sunday ticket exactly um, <laughs> and spend that 300 something dollars uh, but no uh, yes it's a it's a huge transition Blake as you know and you've been watching it at camp and uh, you know, it's exciting because uh, it's kind of like going from the world's most boring offense to the world's potentially most exciting and all in one 12-month <laughs> period. Um, in fact, even shorter than that. So, you know, I, football will not be boring this year. We That's one thing we can count on. And, you know, when you have a young team that's going to, develop with a young head coach I think we can afford to be a little patient and who knows Mm -hmm. they they might surprise last time you and I talked I think we both were thinking they might be a surprise team um, if they can get off to a decent start 
Right, especially when you're looking at the scope of the offense, the production. Uh, a lot of people also are just trying to project the Cardinals as being a little bit higher than they did specifically just because I said Murray looks way better than we thought, and he's ahead of where we thought and where most rookie quarterbacks would be, which uh, makes sense when he's in the same scheme that he's been in for you know the past six years or so as far as that. Cliff Kingsbury is adapting it to him, and you take a look at the week one starter and Matthew Stafford, you know, he's learning the offense along with everyone else. It's just a very unique situation as far as the NFL goes. It's nice to see the Cardinals take on a model that I wonder if future NFL teams will adapt as far as if you have Justin Herbert's brought in next year, do you end up seeing, you know, a college offensive coordinators that they're comfortable with come in so that teams can have a quicker success. Let's talk a bit about the, uh, the rest of the news of the week that we have. Um, just after we'd finished with our last podcast with uh, John and everyone, we had news of Justin Pugh being out for probably about four weeks or so. He's expected back for se- uh, for the week one of the season. Um, they've also had a couple of, I guess you can call them, veteran off days that you've seen for guys like DJ Humphreys and their new right tackle, Marcus Gilbert. Uh, that's kind of the three most, I guess you could say, injured guys the last few years, barring A.Q. Shipley having that Ironman streak up until uh, his ACL tear last year, which incidentally was at the Cardinals red-white practice. What are some of your thoughts as far as with the depth? Are you more excited for seeing some of the depth that you've got guys who are stepping up where the Cardinals didn't really have that sense of depth last year until maybe the end of the year? Or is this kind of just more of a concern when you're seeing with the rookie quarterback and the way that Steve Kime wasn't going to be obviously fixed in the first year, but the guys that they're counting on and how they chose to address it in a pretty crucial offseason, some fans have really uh, questioned, especially my podcast co-host, who I think he's probably writing up another article as we speak about the Cardinals offensive line depth with under right. Steve Kime. Right. Well, we, we're going to need that depth because uh, I don't know if we've ever had an offensive line that was really in shape. Um, every year it just strikes me that, uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't know what they do to train these guys, but, but now it's by necessity because, um, you know, you're going to run the K-raid, K as I call it, mm-hmm. um, up-tempo, on the move all the time, you know, you've got to be in great tip-top shape. If you notice Larry Fitzgerald, is he ever getting hurt in the preseason? No. Why? He's in great shape. He mm-hmm. comes into camp in great shape every year. He knows how to build up to when camp starts. But, you know, now it's, it's not a surprise, really, that here we are in week three or close to week three, and now guys are going down with, you know, groins and, you know, in, in Pew's case, a shoulder, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, Gilbert had the groin, I guess. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury said that he's going to be all right. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, it'll be interesting to see how Mason Cole fits in at left guard. He's never played guard um, before. Um in, in college, anyway, he played mm-hmm. left tackle, he played center. So we get to look at that. Um, apparently today we saw Lamont Galliard getting some reps at center with uh, Shipley getting a little time off. Um, so we're going to see a good young lineman there. I hear really good things about him. Um, mm-hmm. And he strikes me as a kid who's in, in good shape. So. I think it's going to be a Darwinian survival of the fittest (laughs) 
you know, when uh, who's in shape and who's up to the task. Um, and I'm hoping too, like that Corey Cunningham um, st- picks it up where he left off last year because I thought he gave us a boost as a young player and kind of a surprise as a seventh rounder. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Galliard has been playing at guard and center in camp. And uh, to me, I guess it wasn't as much of a surprise to see him eventually get some of the reps with the second or the first team, uh, mostly just because of what we've talked with people with Mason Cole. The biggest asset that he has is his positional flexibility. Uh, The biggest negative has been when you think of last year with some of those shotgun snaps, they weren't as bad as Josh Rosen got, but you do end up kind of wondering if it's going to be for how often this team will be in the shotgun if he was, you know, the best fit because this is a this is an air raid offense now, whereas he was drafted for Mike McCoy and more of a pro-style under center type of scheme. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, right. I did like the fact that they did try him out a little bit at left tackle during the red and white practice. Um, some of that I think is helpful because if you're going to have to keep a guy like Reese Odiambo specifically because he can play left tackle and you want, Corey Cunningham to be at right tackle just as kind of you're hedging a bet for uh, you know Marcus Gilbert keeping him in one spot maybe even if you reach the end of the year and Cunningham's your right tackle long term you kind of don't want to have to to move that guy around so I kind of like the idea of at least trying new things like you said and it'll be interesting I know that was one of the uh, questions that people had with the Cardinals this year was their offensive line and while I think that they do have more depth from what I've seen in camp it's not like they've got great depth like there's a big difference between when Brett Hundley gets back there and to protect and when Kyler Murray's back there the protection just seems very different Um, maybe some of that is having to respect Murray's ability to run I do think that's part of it we saw that with Baker Mayfield last year Uh, you know you you take a look at the Browns with Tyrod Taylor's like wow he's under pressure don't bring Baker in Mayfield comes in and suddenly it's like the protections are on point they're set there's not the same amount of rush getting them he's shifting in the pocket that's the case then the Cardinals are certainly not going to see a repeat of last year but you still don't want to be in a position where you've got a guy on the line who's a weak link or a liability that teams can target because then that resets your entire game plan uh, speaking of injuries, we also had Andy Isabella return to practice today. He went out with a knee injury. It was said it was minor from Cliff Kingsbury. He's probably not going to play. Um, there's been kind of a lot of chatter about him specifically because some have wondered if he's a deep threat. Some have wondered if he's going to be more of the slot possession receiver. What we've seen, there have been some wow routes and some great catches in camp. Uh, there's also been a commentary that he needs to work on getting press and off the line and if he's in the slot, he won't have to deal with that as much. But I'm wondering if Cliff wants to develop into more of this idea of a well-rounded, can-do-it-all wide receiver because then your offense doesn't slow. If you're like, all right, this guy is only our deep threat. This guy is only in you know, smaller, shorter routes because they don't have the deep speed. It feels like that's part of the reason with the development. But in, in any sense, at least, it was also a sign that Kevin White seems to have not been a – impressive as they wanted him to be so you had rumors of the Cardinals signing Michael Crabtree last night uh did not end up going through um I was curious at least for that with your take on that Walter what do you feel like as far as with the wide receivers anywhere from the Keyshawn Johnson situation to would you think that Crabtree is worth a sign at this rate or would that be at the expense of some of the youth that you might want to see for the Cardinals well I'm leery of a Crabtree signing simply because you know, with a guy like Crabtree, you want to take care of him. And to come in this late, you know, Kyler's been used to throwing to, you know, the 
core of these receivers now for a few months. And, you know, as Kurt Warner always said, getting the timing down with each receiver is different. And it just takes time and patience and everything. So you throw Crabtree into that mix suddenly now, and that's, I think that's going to be a distraction. Um, my biggest thing has always been, you know, the best offices seem to have three, three go-to guys. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the NBA. You need three guys to, to score. You know, the other guys can be role players, right? Yep. So, and we've got that, Blake. We got, we have Fitz, we have David Johnson, and we have Christian Kirk. I'm confident that all three of them can have big seasons. Um, now, the rest of the players are complimentary, and they're going to get their fair share because in the in the K-Rig, you're going to, you know, exploit mashups, and you're going to use some guys as decoys. And they're going to spread the ball around. That's the that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Isabella, I think, is going to be great. I don't care where you put him. Yeah, <laughs> gamer. Um, he's fast. He's quick. Um, he'll find ways to get open. And he's got very good hands. So, I think he's going to be an, an immediate contributor, um, assuming that he's he's healthy. And I, it looks like he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Keyshawn Johnson. I mean, I'd rather they you know. Obviously, Kyler's developing chemistry with him. You saw it um, this week. Uh, you know, we don't need Crabtree when we got chemistry like that with Johnson. And, you know, White's been struggling, but we got Kareem Butler, who's, uh, you know, making some splash plays. You know, he's inconsistent. That's okay. He's a rookie. He's learning from Larry. He's learning from David Rye. He's learning from Jerry Sullivan. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got a, a dream team of guys to learn from. And then uh, Demir Bird is having a really sneaky good camp. So you got a guy with speed there who can, you know, um, get open. Um, so I think they've got a lot of options there already. And I, I think Crabtree would be more of a distraction at this point than anything else. Plus, you know, Crabtree will want to, his, you know, give me the damn ball. <laughs> um, and, and I don't blame him. He's he's still probably in his own head a number two wide receiver at worst, right? Hmm. So he's not going to come in here and take think he's number four wide receiver. The other thing about him is he's I don't think he can contribute on special teams. And if you're number four wide receiver on this team, you kind of have to, right? So um, I think that's how the wide receiver unit shakes out. I'd be more interested in Crabtree a couple weeks down the line if hmm. injuries take their toll. And it looks like, you know, he might still be available then. Um, but I really like the depth of this group. And I, I think it's – I think with the chemistry that Kyler has already generated with the, with the older player, you know, with Fitz and now mm-hmm. with Kirk and then with the younger players, I think we're in pretty good shape. What do you think? Yeah, I think the only kind of fault that if the team has one right now, and I think that's more just due to the offense that they have, is they're going to be doing something that very few NFL teams do in running four wide receivers quite a bit. Uh, partially, right. I think that may end up ch- – now maybe that all completely changes and turns around when Charles Clay comes back and perhaps he ends up becoming that fourth wide receiver for Cliff Kingsbury in a lot of ways. But 
when we first came into camp, it was the very first day of practice. And mostly everything we saw was four wide receivers. You would see Keyshawn Johnson on the left. You had Fitz and Kirk in the middle. And they had Kevin White outside on the right-hand side, kind of in that X receiver. That's the guy who has to get off of press coverage, beat one-on-one. And Kevin White had a few good kind of starting days where it looked fine. And then since, there's been kind of more – I don't know if it struggles, but the biggest issue as far as with his health and reliability and being able to get off of that press all the time has just been a consistent rate. So if you can say you wanted to bring in Michael Crabtree or to find that guy, I've got no problem with that considering Hakeem Butler at this point right now. Outside of the splash plays, which there have been quite a few of them, because of the areas where it's not that he's really a – project when you usually think of a guy like a project you think of logan thomas is the first one that comes to mind has a lot of work to do before he's going to be able to see a field he's not in that mold he's already shown a lot of the things that you need but as far as being a starting wide receiver to be counted on for either every down or more than just a, a role player who can kind of run a few routes on the tree he's not quite where he needs to be for that yet and you'd like to see him be able to catch the ball every time versus you know maybe I was going to say he's probably caught it about 60% of the time. I Personally, from what I've seen, is that when Drew Anderson is on the field versus Charles Knopf is on the field, there's been a huge difference as far as the quarterback getting him the ball. So then that leads me to thinking of if Kyler Murray with his placement is there, perhaps that leads to another step in development. But if the coaching staff is behind the scenes knowing, hey, like, you know, we gave Akeem this route to run, he ran this route a different way, we need him to be at this pace, then I think that you're fine to find another one of those wide receivers. But as far as what you said on depth, I do agree that you've got um, Demir Bird and Trent Sherfield are two guys who've shown that they're capable, um, maybe even just in a backup role if not starting. And the other factor is when you're talking about each team needs three offensive weapons to go, the the fun thing about the Cardinals is they technically have four because Kyler Murray is a guy who's also going to be able to tuck the ball and run in addition to making plays with his arm. That's something that I think is really huge for the Cardinals is even if you're going to try to find ways to stop those three, and I I think you go back to multiple Super Bowls and Bill Belichick, he would always take away your number one option and your number two option and ask you how good is your number three option. Well, I think what the Cardinals are going to have is they've got that number three option in DJ or Kirk, and they've got the number four option in Kyler. It's going to come down to how good are the other teams, you know, cornerback three and cornerback four, because they're going to be spreading the field out, getting a lot of these trying to find mismatches. Um, so I at least overall feel like that just the scheme in general will be exciting. I do think Indy Isabella, even though he's not with the ones, because of that speed and how much Cliff Kingsbury loves him, I think he'll still have a big role this year. On the team, I think it's just a question of, you know, are we going to be talking about him as getting starting level reps or is it going to be more of the wide receiver four kind of rotating kind of reps? I think that's the biggest thing that remains to be seen. But overall, as far as the wide receivers go, just from where they were at last year to this year is just a at least a big step forward. And you can tell because guys are holding on to the ball. They're converting first downs in camp. Um, the one thing I would like to be able to say, and I even mentioned this in one of my recaps is I'm hoping to that at some point, if we can ever get off of Hakeem Butler, like kind of the wild ride, I called it at least where he can put up the consistency and where things kind of turn on with the light bulb, then this offense could go to a potentially a whole new level because uh, with Keyshawn Johnson, and we'll get into some of this with the Q and a, I think at the very end of the show, Not that his upside is limited, but it's interesting with the Cardinals when you're talking about the number one wide receiver, number two, the wide receiver threes, and the floor and the ceilings. His is a very interesting spot because there's a lot of guys in the NFL who've been able to succeed 
despite maybe not being the greatest athletes in the world because of being smart, tough, and disciplined players. And that's what he has clearly been one of those guys. Uh, I think it's just going to be a question for a lot of people of, is that going to be able to continue probably not into the superstar to obviously type of range. Very few players hit that. Um, but I do want to at least talk a bit as we move on with the defensive side. Um, and then we can kind of get into the, uh, the 43. We're back to a three, four defense. Um, the biggest questions the Cardinals had last year, honestly, was with their coverage and with their linebacker core. And on the defensive side, outside of Robert Kandichi, guys did not keep their gaps or maintained. It seems like it's a bit improved. But, Walter, what is it that you've either have seen or heard so far as far as on the defensive side? Let's start kind of with the defensive line, the defensive end, and then the pass rushers in Suggs and Jones because what everyone has at least heard to me is that Suggs has been a revelation, not just for Chandler Jones, but overall for the team in general, which is a really positive thing to hear. Definitely. Um, and he and Chandler Jones are – you know, like Batman and Robin right now. So that's kind of a nice, um, you know, uh, nice catalyst for the whole defense to see those two, um, you know, having such good chemistry and, and, and uh, you know, um, and, and rapport. So, and Vance Joseph said all along, the whole defense is predicated on good edge pressure and sticky man coverage. So, it looks as if we're going to be able to have some some pretty good edge edge pressure from Jones and Suggs, and um, there'll be hopefully some depth there. You know, they signed Andre Branch. Um, they need need some depth there. They can't. You know, Suggs is Suggs needs to be spelled every now and then. He's you know what is he thirty seven years old. And he's um, older. He's older than Fitzgerald, which someone pointed out today. That was amazing right. to think about. Yeah, I mean, he's still really good, but they've got to do this right so that they can be. You know, the Cardinals are, need to start getting stops and sacks at the end of games. That's why we, you know, over the years, it's it's just it, it's just. I look back at, at, at Dwight Freeney, the addition there of that great year when we went on a nine, 10 game winning streak. Mm -hmm. He was such a key. And in like three of those games, I remember the Falcons game for one of the Ravens game, he had key fourth quarter sacks. The problem has been in the past that we keep the guys in too long during for three quarters. And by the fourth quarter, they're gassed. I mean, you probably remember the Super Bowl. I mean, we couldn't even get a, you know, a breath on Roethlisberger on that last drive, um, except for Dockett on one occasion. Um, but everybody else was like stuck in mud. So hopefully there's a rotation there, and hopefully they're going to keep those guys fresh for a fourth quarter. Um, Pete Robertson, um, he's making some, some noise, and it's good to see. Uh, today I likened him, as I've studied his film, to uh, former Cardinal Lorenzo Alexander. Hmm. Uh, he's got a similar sort of physical style and he's got some, some quick twitch to it too. Uh, and, uh, hopefully he'll be in that mix. But, uh, so then that's for the pass rush up front. Uh, I like, I like, um, Corey Peters in the middle, solid leader at nose flanked by Darius Phylon who uh, is having a terrific camp and has been tough to block 
Um, all of our guys are having trouble with him. He's got a great swim move. He's quick off the ball. He's just the kind of penetrator we needed. And then on the other side, I like Zach Allen um, to win out the starting spot there. Uh, it's sort of the perfect position for him. Um, he's a he's a 34 D end. At BC, they played him at, at uh, 4-3 D end. But they moved him inside every now and then. And, you know, Allen's just a smart, gutty player. Um, you know, he'll, he, he does smart things on the football field. And I, I think he's going to show up big time for us. You know, with Rodney Gunter in behind and, um, you know, McLean. And, and who's the rookie there? Uh, they like the um, Brown, oh, right? I was going to say, there's um... – I know that they've got Brown as one of the – I think he's a first-year player. Dogby is the other one who is a sixth-round yeah, pick. Michael Dogby. I'm, I'm excited to see him. He's got, a, you know, an attacking style. And I think he can learn a lot from Darius Phylon and sort of, you know, sort of ride his coattails a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm pretty high on Dogby. I don't know. I hope he makes the roster. If not, practice squad for sure. But uh, – but yeah, and, and then that nose tackle, um, Brown. Yeah, Miles Brown is it? I the, think that I think that is his name. Actually, let me. Uh, I've got the. Uh, yeah, I got the depth chart at least right over here in front of me, so yeah. I can pull that up right over here. But yeah, Miles Brown, defensive lineman, uh, rookie out of Wofford, which has been interesting to see. I've seen seventy-two a lot more on the field than I thought I would, and I think some of that is because you see number ninety, Robert Kimdichi, being released from the team. Um, that's something I will be able to at least can talk about some of that here in a minute when we're talking about the defensive line. But the number 72, at least that they had, they'd signed a veteran, I believe, at least, who had uh, played earlier with um, – I believe it was Terrell McLean was actually the one who they signed. Yes. And he's been on the field was quite a bit, I noticed, the beginning at 72, and then he rotated into number 90. But I still saw 72 and Miles Brown out there, so that will be something to – right watch because they the Cardinals do not really have another 320 pound guy on the roster on the defensive line like you got Corey Peters who's there at 335 you got Vincent Valentine is now hurt he was kind of the other nose tackle Rodney Gunter is a nose tackle little undersized so if if you're going to talk about a surprise guy to make the roster it might be between Brown or McLean could be one of those guys I could see fitting the bill on that defensive line rotation right and I think that's a spot Blake where the Cardinals are going to look heavy into the waiver wire. I think it wouldn't surprise me if they added two interior defensive linemen off waivers or make some sort of a trade. Um, we do need stronger depth there. Um, there's no question about that. We have to – this year we're going to defend the run better. The fact that we're in the 34 is going to help. we got the extra down linemen. We've got Peters control in the middle. And Zach Allen defends the run very well. Um, and Phylon with his quickness will be disruptive. So, you know, and then we got the linebackers and, you know, um, Jordan Hicks has been looking great and he's the captain of the defense now. That was a huge signing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he makes things happen and, you know, it's too bad about Reddick. Uh, but uh, he'll be back. And I, I have I have a good vibe about Reddick this year. Um, I think he's going to have a very good year. Um, and Garduk, um, in the meantime, Dennis Garduk, um, has been holding his own, and I'll be excited to see him. I'll be excited to see Zeke Turner. 
um, especially picking up from where he was in the last preseason game last year where mm-hmm. he, he put on a show. Um, yeah. He was outstanding at that at that linebacker spot. And, um, you know, and then I, I, I like the kid Walker, the special teamer. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he's got, uh, you know, a history with Billy Davis because mm-hmm. uh, Walker was a rookie when Davis was the D.C. At, with the Eagles. Um, I think he's going to turn some heads. So I, I think there's some sneaky depth there. Um, you know, what did you think of uh, Vallejo? Um, you've been watching him. What do you think? What does he look like to you? Yeah, for me, it looks like he's not really seeing the field as much like you've seen him on the field as part of a rotation. And to me, I think that's going to be, unless someone kind of stakes a step forward, maybe we'll have to wait for the preseason. I do wonder if it is going to end up being kind of a rotation if Hassan Reddick either isn't able to put it together or isn't able to stay on the field. Um, we did see at least a similar type of process with Dayon Buchanan when he had a very similar injury a few years ago, took surgery, and then uh, a small surgical procedure to come back for the season. And it ended up being that the team moved ahead with a guy in Josh Bynes who ended up kind of seeing the field a lot and ended up becoming a captain for the team and wasn't really a fit overall this year but was a you know solid NFL player um the guy who I'm curious about because we haven't even mentioned him yet was the recently signed linebacker Hayes Pollard that would be the other sneaky one as far as if you're talking about a veteran with starting experience who's seen games right um I think that the biggest key will be if Dennis Gardick ends up being kind of the guy and so far he's been the guy if that remains and he's able to hold up then I think you have a lot more confidence that even if it's on Reddick isn't able to kind of step up in the critical year three, you're going to have a guy who's there. Uh, if Gardeck goes out and wins the job, which I do not expect at this point, I do think that not that it's maybe been mandated from kind, but I think that the chemistry that you've already talked about and everything, it seems like they're leading Reddick to be that guy um, next to um, the new number 58 in Jordan Hicks. Um, Walker is the name that you mentioned that I do think has probably the next best chance to make the roster. I think special teams will be a uh, potential big factor with that. Um, Linebacker, honestly, for the Cardinals, at least you've got two kind of smaller depth guys who were there last year, but because of the nature of the Cardinals not having to have, um, you know, um, with their three linebackers having to play all three downs as they did last year, which is what Steve Wilkes essentially required, I think it's going to be a lot easier with the four or five safeties to be able to get um, um, to get production from that area. Whereas last year you were going into the season and, you know, we had the feeling on the Revenge of the Birds staff, I can say that linebacker was a, a problem, almost even a liability. And then in week one, we got to see that as the uh, skins essentially dink and dunk the Cardinals to death just by hitting the screen passes to the linebackers who couldn't keep up. Uh, let's uh, go back real quick to the defensive line for a second, talk about, Robert Kimdichie, uh, the man who essentially kind of in some way, at least for one or another, his final blow for as far as maybe even NFL career was eating himself off of the roster, showed up to camp probably about, some said 15, maybe even up to 30 pounds overweight, um, which is not what you would want for the most part. I know he came in as a rookie and said, oh yeah, you know, the guys, they don't really care as much of what you eat as long as you know, like you hit certain weight requirements. And to hear a similar phrase from John Brown his first year and then to see an immediate diet change in his second year, uh, second year, which I believe I know right. he went off for, and then to hear Kambichi in his second year kind of saying the same thing, that was a just one of many red flags that he had. Um, there was a lot of uh, off-field and off-season 
things that were made of him with the two arrests, um, drugs that were found in the car that essentially he wasn't charged for, wasn't said it was his, uh, late practices. I even mentioned at least when I was at one of the, I think it was the Saturday practice after it started, Nibichi, he walked onto the field, at least with everyone that Saturday, waved at the crowd, and like I even mentioned not a single person like really waved back at him because of just the disappointment. He did look like he wasn't really quite in shape, and we got the news as soon as practice ended that he had been released from the team, went through waivers, no one claimed him. Let's talk a bit about what went wrong, whether it's from the beginning to the end with the Robert Kimdichi kind of, I guess you could say failure in Arizona because it never had any type of success outside of one kind of split play and then a impressive game against the San Diego Chargers. It just was a guy who could never stay healthy on the field, could never seem to really get his head around off of it. What were some of your takes, at least on Kimdichi overall? Well, as I look back on it, I – I think, you know, what Steve Keim is learning is now with, with Cliff Kingsbury and, and having Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator, I don't think you're going to see him make a, a real stretch move in the first round anymore for a player who, you know, a, does isn't a real perfect fit both physically and emotionally um, for the kind of style the Cardinals want to play and the kind of style of the coaches. I mean, when you look at it now, Blake, I mean, were Robert Kemdichi and, and Bruce Arians ever going to get along? I mean, yeah. just, I mean, look who you're, you're drafting him into. Um, I, I can't imagine Kemdichi adjusting well to BA's coaching style, nor, you know, his staff's coaching style. There's a type of player that, that, that does, mm-hmm. but it's not him. It's not Kimdiche. Yeah. Um, I think last year he showed us in one game, that Chargers game, why Steve Kime drafted him in the first place. The mm-hmm. kid has explosive talent, but it's talent unfulfilled as, as you saw and, Unfortunately, you have to have the the kind of um, discipline to go with it. And, uh, you know, I've, I feel bad for the kid right now. He's obviously uh, got serious issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are important personal issues to figure out before he ever, you know, sets foot on a football field again. Um, and it's just curious because I know that they did their – they're vetting on him, and I know they spent what was it, two visits with him and Michael Bidwell. Yeah, it was like multiple visits, I think. Yeah, I mean Michael Bidwell's a really good judge of character, but I think in the process they kind of forgot who they were, you know, what kind of head coach and what kind of staff they're drafting for. Mm-hmm. The same thing with DJ Humphreys. I mean. DJ Humphreys, in retrospect, he's not a BA player. No, he's not. He's too immature. Of course, BA already has a disdain for college kids. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't want to play rookies. Um, he didn't doesn't think they're well trained. He thinks they need a couple years of training at the NFL level. And in many cases, he's correct. However, how you treat the players in today's NFL matters. And I'll be interested to see how he does in Tampa Bay because I'm not convinced 
that his style is going to cut it anymore in the NFL. Maybe for a year or two, like it did with the Cardinals. But after a while, um, it wears thin. And players start distrusting and, you know, pushing back a little bit, then you got a problem. So yeah. with Kandiche, it just wasn't a good fit from the start. Um, uh, and, you know, hopefully he'll get his, his life together. Mm-hmm. And I, if I were him, I don't think I'd really care right now whether I played football again. I think it's too important for him to get his head, head on straight. I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me with all the eating, Blake, and all the you know, and the drugs in the car, and the that uh, he's depressed and hmm. you know, suffering through anxiety and depression. And anyone who's suffered through that knows it's a bear and um, and a black hole that's tough to climb out of. But he's yep. showing the symptoms of that big time. And at a young age, you know, that's when a lot of people get it. And uh, you know, hopefully. He can, take care of himself and get back on track yep yeah what's interesting is like when you talked about with Humphreys is Humphreys has seemed like he after talking with people in interviews this year it's like he never really felt like Arians was ever really on his side or on his team or anything and so that's one thing that's been interesting is post Arians he's kind of seemed to be a bit more free in some cases now that obviously will depend on you know if there's changes or anything that happens separately like you know um if he ends up having another injury spell or if he ends up holding out from a practice or, and I don't think that he's that type of person. You're kind of looking at two people who entered with similar questions and it's turned for one, it's been a missed opportunity due to off field and injury. And for the other, you're talking about how, you know, what I hope for with the guy at least is despite kind of like the jokes and the fun, he still has been at least enough of a important person and character in that locker room where I feel like that most Cardinals fans would say, Hey, we want you to go out play well have a great season. no one's rooting against the guy but I don't know if a lot of Cardinals fans are saying let's walk up out of there and give him you know that four-year big-time contract at least Um, and the fact that you know he's in his fifth year and I don't know if the Cardinals would take a shot on him next time at least as far as with the next year maybe that I'm wrong and that ends up being the case but it just kind of goes to show you that in the NFL it really is ultimately up to there's limitations every player is going to have but it still is going to be up to that player overall for what they do with the time and the reps that they get. Um, uh, Cause Humphreys, you know, for all the time that he's missed, he's still being counted on for the Cardinals and he's, it's not that he's, you know, slacking off, you know, um, you see Robert Kandichi has been cut and released. DJ Humphreys is still expected to be the team's starting left tackle, even though there's a lot of similarities that you've seen at least overall there. Um, some of that I think may have come from just the fact that Humphreys himself said that fatherhood changed his perspective. And that's, I think one of those maturity landmarks that you can look for in different people, as far as when yeah, almost like a, you know, when you know, or when you see it in year two and you see the, right. the transformation, um, Devonte Adams is probably one of the best examples of that in the NFL. There's multiple guys who were called a bust after their first year who've gone on to that, have successful and productive NFL careers. And that's part of why I think that when you're in the NFL and in this business, you, your goal is more to have things in root for and players to have in stories to talk about than it is to, you know, uh, root against. It's always fun to be able to kind of root against if you end up seeing a team that was doing well that struggles or, you know, seeing a down year from a, you know, a hated rival at least is always fun, but ultimately it's, you want to root for people. Um, let's go ahead and move you on. We're talking. Oh, I was gonna say, bring it up. Yeah, bring it up. No, uh, there's a way to coach a kid like that. 
Um, you know, he's a goofball. He's mm -hmm. a, you know, I saw a lot of, of um, Humphreys and uh, Quinn and Williams. Hmm. Yeah. Um, very similar type. I, I mean, I would, I would have called his college coaches and asked, you know, you know, how do you motivate this kid? Obviously, Nick Saban motivated Quinn and Will found a way to motivate Quinn and Williams. Yeah. They're just, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, young, bright-eyed kids who love to goof around and have a good time. But then they also have, you know, their players. Mm -hmm. I mean, DJ Humphreys is a heck of a talent. In fact, he's getting coached up big time now by uh, A.Q. Shipley. I don't know if you heard what Shipley told him, but he said, listen, man, with your ability, if you if you have a big year, you're going to make a lot of money. Yep, he knows uh, that. <laughs> right, he does. He knows that. And, and, you know, this is a big year for, for DJ, and Kime uh, gambled $8.7 million. Um, was it 8.7 or? I was thinking it was like closer 9. to 9. 8. Yeah, 9.8. Yeah, yep. It was 8.7 for Dion Buchanan. Mm -hmm. And now it's 9.8 for DJ Humphreys, um, which I, if, if you didn't have to designate it a year in advance, I don't know if you, if he would have had Humphreys back, if that's right. how, especially after missing another, um, you know, practically half the season. And, um, but uh, there is a way to motivate players like that. And I, I'm betting you, uh, that Humphreys is feeling pretty comfortable with the coaching staff there at this point. Uh, Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach, um, um, he's a real players coach. Yeah. Gives the players a lot of say, and he bonds with them. He, he gives them voices in that room. And I think that's the kind of environment that, that DJ Humphreys might thrive in. If he can stay healthy, maybe he'll have a good year. We need that from him. Definitely agree. All right, let's go ahead and shift into talking about the 53-man roster. So I've got kind of some of your latest update that you had. Um, it's also available at Revenge of the Birds under the uh, Cardinals 53 update. I know there will be probably a couple more of these before we do get to the regular season. Um, just wanted to give a little bit of a plug for that. Let's start with the quarterbacks because I think it's very plain what we have right now. You've got Kyler right. Murray as the starter. Brett Hundley is the backup. Um, right. Interesting. You had Charles Knopf at least on the practice squad. Currently, I've got Drew Anderson as the one who's there on the practice squad. So why right. don't we go ahead and just kind of have like almost like the uh, not quite the presidential debates that are going on, but what's kind of make the case maybe for either of the different guys or anything that you'd have? What would be your case with maybe why you put Knopf onto the practice squad? Well, I hadn't seen either of them yet, and uh, there's a veteran, so that makes sense. Right, and. Uh, Ch Chad Kenoff played in a spread at Princeton and yeah. set Ivy League records throwing for 70% completion. Um, it's pretty outstanding. So uh, based on that, I kind of like the fit. Mm -hmm. Although um, Anderson brings better um, running ability. Yeah. So he may be a better fit. And, and right now, mm -hmm. I'll be interested to see uh, both those guys battle it out. I think what they're doing basically is um, uh, <clears throat> is fighting out for the fighting it out for the practice squad. One of them's going to be on the practice squad. Uh, yep. But right now, based on what we saw this week, 
I think Anderson, I think you're right. I, I'd lean towards your your pick with Anderson. Yeah, I think it's a lean. Like, he did end up – was the one who did throw that last pick six uh, at the end of the red-white practice right. that was returned, but to Deontay Thompson. It's looked a little bit more natural, but it's also a case of we'll see when the games begin because he's such right. a big, huge guy that – when he's in the pocket, it's hard to slide and move around, which is noticeable. Um, right. Whereas Knopf, it's a little bit more comfortable. But it's also like, I don't know if Knopf more of a Mike McCoy offensive guy who stays in the pocket. Versus, and as you say, like, they're two different skill sets. Um, Anderson has seemed a little bit more accurate to me. But it is going to, I think, potentially come down to the games. And we'll see what other teams do. If there's a quarterback that Kingsbury likes or thinks that he can either develop or do more from, I could see that move. Um, right. Um, um, it'll just be very, uh, very interesting, at least to me, because Anderson, he didn't play in a true spread, but he did play in somewhat of an air raid offense. That was the case. So maybe it'll be a case of give it another week or two and Kanoff is able to catch up for that. But that'll be something right. to find out. Uh, let's go over and check with the uh, on the running back side. I think that I've got the four running backs, which right now are David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, TJ Logan, and I have DJ Foster on the roster for right now. I don't know if that's going right. to change. I think you just had the three running backs at least. Right. Had. Yeah, I I just think with running back and tight end, um, you know, with only using really one of them at a time most of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think unless you've got a great special team contributor at the back end, which I'm not sure DJ Foster is. Um, I like the three with Johnson, Edmonds, and Logan. I mean, how about that run by Logan against the first defense? Yeah, that was that was good. It'll be nice to see if you do end up getting running lanes because he's got the speed to bust it wide open. He just has never really had those running lanes. And I do remember, I think, in um, – uh, I think against the Cowboys, you saw that kick return. It looked like you had the next LaRod Stevens howling, and yet you've never really gotten back to see that for the most part. Right. Um, Foster seems to be kind of entrenched where they're also giving him days off in time, and it seems like his receiving skills, um, I don't know if the local product is being any type of a waiver. What they don't have that's interesting to me is they don't really have a true, not like a necessarily a – Fullback, fullback type, but the only banger they really have on the roster right now is Wes Hills, who's like the 220-pound right. back. That's the only one I could see as an update, but I do kind of don't think there's going to be five running backs that you'll keep this year unless you've got no. injury. Um, for tight end, I do kind of have three right now. I do wonder, like you said, as far as with the special teams contributor, if that's the reason why. And Cliff has shown some two tight end looks in camp. I don't know if that maybe you maybe it ends up being a case of it's kind of a bit of a deception for the most part, but I do think right. that it'll end up depending on if they do keep two tight ends, you know that they're not just going to keep seven. They'd probably keep eight wide receivers. Um, right. I could see it being the case of when Charles Clay comes back, it's going to be very interesting to figure out how the breaks are used. Cause right now the one guy who you're certain is a lock on the roster is Max Williams because they just don't seem to have another blocker at this point. Um, Seals Jones has made some nice over the middle catches in the passing game where and because after that, it just seems like there's a huge, huge drop-off. Right. Um, if there was more depth behind there or Seals-Jones wasn't separating, I think I would probably be able to say that maybe the last tight end isn't on the roster. Um, but I think that they keep three tight ends this year. Some would, most NFL teams would be shocked that you'd keep three because they'd have, they'd have four completely. Right. You know, when we were talking about the big three, and then you made the great point about, well, Murray's four. Mm-hmm. Well – if they get Charles Clay healthy, there's five right there. Cause yeah. that, he is made to order for the K raid. 
Yep. Absolutely yep. made to order. Blocking and running and, uh, and catching and all of that. You know, yep. Played in a similar offense at Houston and, uh, you know, was used all over the field like a, you know, like a the queen on a chessboard. Um, <laughs> you know, he was a fullback. He was an H-back. He was a, a slot receiver. Um, running back, he played running back at times. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a gifted athlete and knows how to, you know, he's savvy. So, and Max Williams has been a really nice surprise. I hope they sign him to a multi-year deal. I think he's a good fit for what they want from him. And, and, you know, he's a blocker and he's actually a pretty decent red zone threat. Yep. Um, and he was with the okay. Ravens. I always noticed that about him. So, and then the question is, uh, Ricky Seals Jones and I, mm -hmm. You know, um, I think now with White struggling a little bit, maybe they do keep him. Um, but he's he's more of a receiving tight end, as you know. Yeah, and, he's, a, uh, he's a big wide receiver, essentially. When you, he comes yeah. in, you kind of know that he's going to be passing versus blocking. So Right. And he played for Kingsbury at Texas A&M. And he played with so, Kyler Murray, too. That was one of the craziest with, things, too. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, know. you know, he's got – Right. So, so he's got some connections there. So I would say if they go three, those are your three. And with uh, Caleb Wilson on the practice squad. And I think they like that kid Belcher. Um, yeah. You know, um, he might be a practice squad kid too. Yeah, we've seen some Belcher, some of Daryl Daniels. Um, it also depends on what other teams do. The Cardinals having the first priority claim. I do wonder if some of those guys who aren't potentially like a sure lock for the 53, if that ends up being the case where some of the bottom of the roster is churned. Sure. Yep. Uh, let's see. So you've got, um, I think I had one extra tight end. I had only eight offensive linemen, at least for this time. You had nine. I do think that that number could definitely change and go up to nine just because of the injury situation. Right. Looking at the locks being Humphreys, Pugh, Cole, Sweezy, Gilbert. You've got your right tackle backup and Corey Cunningham. Um, kind of your center, maybe even guard backup at least seems to be right there with Lamont Galliard. Uh, A.Q. Shipley seems all but certain as the starting center right now. And then there's been kind of an interesting little pattern where we've seen some cases it's been, I think, Will, is it Will Sweet, I believe at least, has said some, case, some cases it's right. been uh, Reese Odiambo has been the case. Um, right. Josh Miles was the other draft pick that they had. He's been playing at guard. I do have a feeling that he's the guy who's not going to end up making the roster. Is right. kind of my feeling out of all of their draft picks this year. Seems practice like squad. Yeah, he seems like he's just a little bit too far behind for the most part. He could definitely be a practice squad guy as an athlete if they want to look at him as a uh, as a potential future guard, especially if Galliard ends up moving to center. But for me, what seems to stand out the most is you've got Shipley and Sweezy, to me, seem to be kind of the Iron Men, the guys who are just going to man it no matter what. Cole is a nice guy to move around, but um, the one that's been most, uh, I guess you could say, intriguing to me uh, is going to end up being the fact that the Cardinals are still probably looking for a tackle or a tackle depth. So one of the things that was brought up this week that some had questioned about was Two, one person asked, hey, what happens if Justin Pugh doesn't play well this year? And that's kind of the, the worst-case scenario because the Cardinals signed him to a five-year deal and they front-loaded a lot of that contract where they really don't have an out until after 2020. So if he ends up struggling, that's going to turn into a miserable type of a deal for him. So he's got a huge year to have to prove it because if it comes into next year and you're already talking about, you know, hey, we need to upgrade our offensive line position, you're just going to have too much dead money to – you move on from this is a big second year for him. 
for me, I think it's going to come down to the idea that some have also suggested of what if the Cardinals decided to say upgrade at the offensive line, say that they decide to trade for a guy like Trent Williams, who's available. John's been the one who's brought it up a lot. He said he would ship out EJ Humphreys and a second round pick in a heartbeat. Um, you are talking about obviously a top 10 tackle. He hasn't been as healthy um, as some other players have been in the past, but it's not that he's, you know, we're talking about missing time like DJ Humphreys has missed time either and the ability is there. From what you know, at least, would you make that type of a deal? Would you prefer to, say, keep with what the Cardinals currently have as far as with your set? What are some of your thoughts that you would have on if the Cardinals would make a move like that? And then I can chime in. Well, I mean, you know, if, if Johnny can get the Redskins to take a second rounder and <laughs> Jay Humphreys um, for Trent Williams, we'd have to raise Johnny's salary. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. That would That's be true. I mean, and I think it's, you know, I, I, the reasoning there is sound because of the salary matchups and, you know, that's going to be the tough part is fit fitting Williams in under the salary cap and we need a salary dump. And then of course, if you, if you, the Redskins have to take the 9.8 for, for mm -hmm. DJ. But the problem is uh, they're not going to, you know, I mean, it'd be a long shot for them to take a trade like that. Um, I think if you'd have to offer the first round pick um, and then they might consider taking DJ. Uh, and even then, I'm not sure. I think they're pretty attached to Trent Williams and want to make something work, but. Um, yeah, I, I would I, agree with I that. Love this, I love the suggestion because, you know, plus he's an Oklahoma kid, and I think he'd be fired up, fired up to block for Murray. You know, I like I like Johnny's article. I think it was great. I, I I love the idea of it. It's just I guess I'm not getting my hopes too high because it doesn't seem like they're willing to part with him. Jay Gruden keeps saying that every day. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just going to wear him down to where, you know, he's either going to come in and get paid this year. You know, there was that strange thing that happened with, with the Redskins doctors. Yeah. With the growth on his head. Um, and now he doesn't trust them. And I don't blame him for that. But, uh, boy, that would be outstanding um, to add him to the mix. That would be that would be a gift from God. Uh, yeah, I know, definitely. I yeah, I think the hardest part for me is that, and this is where it feels like Williams wants to leave the Skins. He also, if you're talking about um, his deal and his contract, you know, he is going to be up as a free agent after next season. And he's kind of looking, I think, for that one last deal. So you're talking about, you know, two years of control. Right. But the other thing, at least, that's interesting with him is, you know, if you're talking about a 31-year-old who's had some injuries in the past and then having to pay them a large contract, that's going to be – uh, either a positive investment if you do want to invest in Murray's future for some, or you may look at it and say, look, if the Cardinals are going to try to make a move next offseason, whether it's extending players or trying right. to sign a couple of big free agents, because we know all these teams, they try to get a rookie quarterback and then get the salary cap from that and try to move. I can't help but wonder if Kimes entire plan at this point is Kate, DJ Humphreys, see what he has. And then, when we get to move on, if they need to franchise tag, if they're desperate for a year, they'd at least have some of those rights versus 
right. Williams' contract is a little bit different. Now it's going to be an expensive franchise tag for DJ, but I just have the feeling at least ever since I saw they were keeping him of that either using a first or a second round pick next year would have a controlled cost contract for the next four to five years for a left tackle. And you're not necessarily needing to have the same left tackle for the Cardinals with Murray as you probably would with a guy like Josh Rosen, who's not able to move around very much in the pocket and you need protection. So I could see, and from what I at least found out, it doesn't seem like the Cardinals, at least at this time, have as much interest in trading for him. Now, if the price you know, goes down or dips or something changes for the most part, then perhaps that will change. But I would say to not expect that as of the case right now right? Um, for a couple of those reasons. They're going to draft a tackle in the first round next year. Yeah, I could see that. Um, the only way I wouldn't is if, let's say, that we see a wide receiver with how stacked the class is, and it's just two right. left to back to pass up. Is it's like the only exception I could see is if they're there, but it's going to be a pretty strong tackle class as well. Yeah, um, I can well, see that too. That's I can see good that point. being the case too, because and mostly at least like we'd even talked about where if the Cardinals ended up in a top five type of pick. You probably could talk about a tackle, but maybe that would be the case of talking about a pass rusher if this was Suggs' last type of year, and then you could pay that guy when Chandler's done. There's kind of those three seem to be the biggest needs. But, again, we haven't gone through the entirety of the season. Last year going into this season, the Cardinals, we didn't view quarterback really as a need at all. And a lot of people I know at least uh, didn't – you know, a lot of people didn't even view cornerback as much of a big need as offensive line. You get to the end of day two, see Byron Murphy, who's just there. Um, he's playing through a foot injury right now. We'll see if he even plays tomorrow night. But he's had probably the most impressive camp that no one's talking about just because <laughs> Kyler Murray has been uh, the number one kind of guy that people are talking about in their story. And the wide receivers are yet to be figured out. But he's a guy who maybe ends up staying at that nickel corner position even after Tremaine Brock moves back out and Patrick Peterson comes in yeah uh, I, I like Murphy um do you know why he was out today uh they just said it was just kind of he had a foot injury he kind of practiced through a little bit of that yesterday they're taking it today I don't know if he's gonna play or not tomorrow but it didn't sound like it was anything serious even when asked about it with Kingsbury it didn't seem like it was a an overall big concern I mean if he's still practicing and they're just taking it easy and there's like a you know maybe it's something is like you talked about just with the conditioning as far as for getting into the right, uh, right. right frame of body. So let's shift to the uh, what, what I like oh, about yeah, go Murphy for it. is uh, other than the last name, of course, you love that. <laughs> I can get a jersey, uh, not have to worry about, you know, the player leaving anytime, right? Yeah, and being an Irishman myself, I <laughs> grew up with Murphy's. But uh, the thing about Murphy I really like is he's got some Aeneas Williams in him. He's got a – got a sixth sense for where the ball is mm -hmm. and he plays with really good leverage and he'll stick you he'll come up and stick his nose in there which is what we need Blake we cannot we cannot continue to play soft football in the secondary right cannot. I, I don't care if you're Patrick Peterson or whoever um it's it's becoming a real problem and that's why we gave up chunk yards on every screen um, we have got to start getting some ballers mm -hmm. on those perimeters coming up and making sticks. And this kid will do that. Um, that's part of his game. And he likes, you can tell he likes doing that. And I like, um, you know, the, the way that the, uh, the Chris, um, Chris Jones. Oh yeah. Um, he's got a physical aspect to his game. He does. So does Robert Alford. Um, they're starting to 
put together some some players who who will defend um, not only just the pass but the run and in scrambles they'll come up and stick quarterbacks. So um, that's encouraging to me, and uh, I think Murphy was a great pick at 33. I, I'm really surprised he didn't go in the top 15. Um, because of his polish and yeah. and where he comes from. I mean, U Washington is D back U. Yeah, they've got three of those guys, I believe, now, if you even count Zeke Turner, who was a safety that's yeah. now been converted to linebacker. So they have a type that's there. And those are the guys, like, I, I wanted to say, if you take a look at the – where we were at kind of this time last year with the Cardinals, you're talking about a defensive back unit that had Patrick Peterson – uh, Buda Baker, obviously, but you also are talking about Jamar Taylor yeah. and having a guy like a Ben Eben Wickery. Right. Uh, Brandon Williams was a guy we even saw playing time last year after the injuries. And then Christian Campbell was a guy who some people like had higher grades on him. A lot of it, I think, is because of the off press that Steve Wilkes had where they just didn't press or hit guys at the line of scrimmage that when you're talking about playing soft, that kind of is what came out. Uh, the only guys who are even from that spot who are left in the cornerback spot is Dietrich Nichols, who was kind of the one guy who stood right. in camp, was able to get his hands on some of the balls. But you're right. This year it's been a lot more physical as far as with seeing, especially with Murphy. He's, he's as uh, Patrick Peterson, he's got a little bit of badger in him. I can kind of see some of that, honestly, where I think that he's a guy who's going to be able to um, he won't be a Chris Harris type. I don't know if he's as athletic enough. That's part of the reason why he fell. But Chris Harris was a guy who – was an undrafted free agent essentially who ascended and was able to be that sort of a guy and tenacious with his blocking and is one of the highest paid corners in the league. You'd love to see a similar type of rise from Murphy in that regard. Well, Murphy um, can flip his hips and he's, and he yep. understands leverage. And as a huge knack for the ball, like you're not talking yep. about Brandon Williams and Justin Bethel, even who didn't know when the ball was in the air. Murphy's Correct. always seeming to know where the ball is. Correct. Even picked off a ball that was intended for Fitzgerald at the, uh, one of the practices I saw, which it's like, yeah, hey, yeah. anytime you can pick off a ball heading to Larry Fitz, it's always a good thing. Usually. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, let's go and move on with uh, continuing a talk on the defense. Let's start with the defensive line. We've got, Corey Peters and Darius Filon are two guys you've had. Rodney Gunter seems to be the one who's made the case there. Uh, I know right now with the Cardinals and their current depth chart, at least, um, it seems like the the way that it's looking like right now is going to be a little bit different than how we were used to it last year, where Gunter played side-by-side, side, uh, right alongside um, – Peters. Yeah, because, Peters. Right alongside Peters for that one. Because they only had two inside linemen, and they tried to – beef up on both uh-huh that's right and so what you've got is the same situation this year but now Rodney Gunter is at a defensive end versus a defensive tackle so he's listed as a, a starter there um he's maybe not as natural of a fit um when you look at last year as what Steve Wilkes really loved and wanted in his players was a 4-3 type of defensive tackle where you had one guy who was kind of the holder and one who was the mover and he really wanted Kendichi to be the one who holes would open up for him to burst through use it athleticism didn't work out that way instead Gunter has his best year on record was hoping for a big deal did not get it um maybe he ends up with another team in the offseason or maybe he ends up having a revitalized career with Arizona but he's got a one-year deal right for me I think what'll be interesting is to see over time because Zach Allen is such a natural fit and because Allen you know he's looked at it as a pass rusher his tackles for loss were great and he also is a guy who's got 35 like kind of freak length arms he's able to kind of reach up 
as the awareness to bat the balls. He had more right. batted balls than a lot of players last year. Right. Wouldn't shock me if Allen ends up moving into some sort of a rotation with a guy like Gunter. I don't know if that's going to be the case. You know, sometimes you have a guy who's a stud, just you can't get him away from the field, and that might be the case right. with Gunter. Um, but I could see at least a rotation. Um, what would you have at least? I know the other guys that you also had on the roster, you had Dog B, you had Bailey and McLean also making the roster for seven defensive tackles and defensive ends. Yeah, Do you think anyone else would have moved around or would that be set for you? I've moved off of Bailey. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like McLean, but I have a feeling here, as um, I quickly mentioned earlier, you definitely file on Gunter and Allen and um, and possibly Dogby, but I think this is an area we're going to see uh, a couple of uh, waiver additions if yep. McLean doesn't pan out. Now, McLean right. could be a real factor for us. He's got the experience, and he's a good run stuffer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, if if – if McLean's okay, then we're looking at one more, and if Dogby can take that, fine. Mm-hmm. Bailey, I'm not sure, is a good fit. Um, I just kind of threw him in there, in, you know, as sort of a, a Hail Mary, because we do need another body there. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how they play over the next few weeks, and uh, yep. we can see if we've got some, you know, depth, legitimate depth for a rotation yeah that especially with the addition of andre branch but at the linebacker position is where it looks yes. like he'll be signed you're probably going to need to look at defense and line versus right. um those type of linebackers um no. i'm i'm excited at least to see what will go on with those type of players i would love if, if zach allen had the same type of career that another broncos player and Derek wolf had that would be um the best case scenario i think um, at linebacker, you've got four guys. I don't really have as much of a difference there. I might have a fifth one that sneaks on, and I believe Pete Robertson, who uh, oddly enough I think is from Texas Tech. But you've got Jones, Suggs, Brooks Reed, who will be interesting. That would be the only one where if he's not able to stay healthy as much, like they signed him still to a one-year deal, that would be the only kind of camp casualty right. that would be a bit of a shock. But the way they've talked yeah. about him seems to be that he's on the roster. Maybe right. Branch and him end up in some type of a battle for the 53. Um You've got your five inside linebackers are next. I honestly like I'm kind of speeding through this because I don't really have any disagreements with them. You've got Hicks, Reddick, yeah. Dennis Gardick backing up Reddick, Zeke Turner, who's an invaluable guy at linebacker and special teams, and then Joe Walker. I do think that that fifth spot is the one that yeah. you end up seeing a Hayes Pollard sneak in, or maybe Walker's able to hold him off because of the uh, that relationship that he has. Right. It'll, it'll come down to the special teams play or if Pollard's experience comes in, but I, I don't think they're going to do anything different outside of keeping the best guy because you already have your sure. starters in place. Cornerback, you've got your five. Um, right now with Peterson, he's suspended. But with Alford, Brock Murphy, you've got Chris Jones on the roster as well as Dietrich Nichols. I kind of am trying to figure out how many corners they'll take. It seems like that with special teams and everything, they'll have five corners, five safeties. I could see Nichols being on the roster as far as with that. I could also see him being off the roster depending on how the waiver wire goes, depending on how the right. – other players go. I will say that it does seem like he's kind of playing a little bit behind some of the other corners. Um, the current depth chart has um, the other corner, at least I believe, who's ahead of him right now has been 41, Nate, Nate Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. I think right now I would have Nate Brooks over Nichols just because he seems to be 
playing a little bit better in this 3-4 and has had quite a few interceptions. And he also seems to be pretty physical as far as with um, his play as well. So I would probably keep it the same as you, keep the five. But Chris Jones is one of those stories that we haven't talked about it that much in camp. But if you did see a major injury to one of those starting three guys, whether it's Byron or Tremaine Brock, he's played very well overall against Akeem Butler, has had quite a few picks. He looks like he's one of those guys who – as an undrafted free agent, if you're talking about Brock walking away after a year and him being the fourth cornerback and then right. even being a cornerback three, he's yep. been a shocking how good he is for me. So that's one of the stories we're not talking that's about enough, but he's been great. Like I, every time he's gone back out, you've either seen uh, who broke that up, 25, Chris Jones with the pass breakup, 25 with the interception. If he can make some headway in the preseason game, um, that's the one you'll have to watch for. Right. Um, and then as far as with uh, – oh, go for it. The thing, the thing is, is that um, what they can do too is, I mean Shaw, Shaw and Jalen Thompson are both, you know, safety cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean they both can cover the slot. Right. So, in essence, if you put them, if you take Dietrich Nichols and put him on the practice squad uh-huh. at Brooks, although I think you're right, I think. Brooks has the edge on Nichols right now, um, and I need to update my my list. And I would agree with you. I would put Brooks ahead of Nichols, but I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to keep more safeties and corners. Yeah, and uh, with Baker, um, Swearinger, the Thompson twins, and um, and uh, Shaw. There's five. But you also have um, Rudy Ford, uh, who's, you know, made a nice play the other day. He's a special teams kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to he's gonna make his case. Also, um, the kid Jonathan Owens. Oh, yeah. Keep an eye on him. Uh, I know the coaches really like him, and with good reason. He's a, he's a playmaking uh, safety, and he can – He's more of a, I think, he's better suited for the strong safety spot where they need depth. Um, because yeah. uh, Swearinger and, and you know, um, <clears throat> Deontay Thompson are free safeties. And Jalen's more of a free safety slot corner, you know. Right. So, you know, they don't have much depth behind Baker. It would be Shaw right now, but uh, – I think they're more talented and deeper at the safety position right now than they are at corner. So they're gonna uh, have yeah, to I would agree with that. I would agree with that, especially with the drafting of Jalen Thompson. You now have probably about four guys. Um, two of them are clear starters. You've got your vet who can play both spots. Then with the two rookies after that, I think the hardest one's going to be Rudy Ford, who's been on the team for the last few years as a special teams ace. I think it's going to come down to, do you prefer Ford on special teams or Jalen Thompson? And this being a new staff, I could see them having spent that draft pick on Jalen Thompson. It might spell the end of Rudy Ford's stay here in Arizona. So I'd hope that he could um, be able to catch on. The Thompsons are are safe. I mean, anyone drafted in the first six rounds, including the supplemental draft, Mm -hmm. usually it's they're they're not going to risk – I mean, if we have another situation like Marquis Christian, yeah, and see a fifth rounder get, you know, dumped for that one, especially to a division that rival, was just, <laughs> that was just really bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were really in love with Drew Punt, Drew Butler as a punter, <laughs> and 
that uh, kind of explained a lot of it. There's issues I know some Cardinals fans have had with the Arians era where I'll be fascinated to watch in maybe the toughest division in football for how that turnaround will happen with essentially establishing, you know, almost all Cardinals ex-coaches and a lot of Cardinals ex-players as well. Um, let's go in real quick. We'll just mention over with the specialists. Interesting on the death chart, Pharaoh Cooper was mentioned behind TJ Logan and Christian Kirk. No mention of Demir Bird, who also has been able to play those positions. I wonder at least if because Cooper is a pro bowler on the special teams unit, he doesn't have the same speed Bird has. He's a lot slower. Bird is kind of still a 4-3 guy who could be a deep threat, and he's honestly showed up better than Cooper has in the drills. That one's going to be a tough one because it might be that it's the special teams you keep, but then you have to let go of a guy who could be a good wide receiver for Another team, I would be very curious as to finding out if this will be the same case where you see Cooper returning punts. We don't even have Andy Isabella or Patrick Peterson listed on here, but you're probably locked in with Zane Gonzalez as your kicker. Um, so a lot of fans have been questioning whether they should have brought in a backup, but with Andy Lee, Aaron Brewer, um, you're going to have a lot of the state, a lot of stuff that's there. They also do not have a quarterback at a holder, which is interesting to me. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is going to be interested in any of the trick plays or any, anything like that, but that was just one thing that stood oh, yeah. out to me. Did you have anything else you had to say about the special team before we go back to kind of making the, there's one little area that I avoided on purpose talking about that some of the fans may have noticed by now. Yeah. I want another kicker in camp to push Gonzalez. Um, you know, I love Matt McCrane and I, I thought he deserved, to win the job last year. He's available. There are some other guys available. But, you know, when we went with Chandler Catanzaro without any competition, mm-hmm. he promptly misses the game winner in game one. And Bruce Arians later said it took the wind out of the sails for this whole season. Yep. We can't risk that. He, he just needs I – I think Gonzalez has a great leg. I, I think his form is not as – as consistent as McCrane's. Uh, McCrane has one of the most consistent field goal forms I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's no wonder he set records at Kansas State from within 40 yards. He was practically automatic. Um, Gonzalez has a a little, like, sort of more inconsistent um, swing path. You know, when he's right on, he's outstanding. So, you know, I, I just think getting someone else in there to push him and get him settled would be great. Um, you know, Lee is outstanding and Brewer is solid. So, um, you know, as far as Farrow Cooper, uh, I think he's got trade value. It wouldn't hmm. surprise me. Um, you know, the Giants need wide receivers to begin with. Uh, they've, they've got a return man, but you can always use plenty of return men. I, I would imagine that, you know, Farrell Cooper's made a name for himself as a return man. Someone in need may, may make a move for him. We might be able to get a sixth or seventh rounder or a player in return, like a, like a defensive tackle um, who was on the bubble or, you know, something like that. So um, because, because we have so many options, like I was thinking too, is if it came down to Trent Sherfield or Farrow Cooper. That's a tough yeah. decision, isn't it? Yeah, right? it is. It is. You're, but, it depends on if your number one return men's there, or if, if you've got TJ Logan and Kirk or Isabella, then suddenly I'd rather go. have the better player. And that's, that's what they're going to have to make. And that's what the preseason's all about, I think, is going to be seeing some of these guys put stuff on film and perform in practice, I think, will be what it's all about for that. Yeah, so. and I think Sherfield brings you 
one of the better special teams gunners and tacklers. He was pretty solid last year. Plus, he's an unheralded receiver. I think he's got you know, he's a kid who can catch the ball over the middle and yeah. and, and and get good rack yards. Um, I was really impressed with him last year. He's kind of a forgotten man right now, but uh, but special teams might be his ticket back in. Plus, as time goes by, I think the coaches will will like him in, as part of their receiver rotations. So uh, I think Cooper's a guy to try to trade if you can, um, and uh, I think they might be able to get a little something for him, which would be nice. Yeah, I think right now what I'm similar, at least with you, or right now I have Fitz, Kirk, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, Trent Sherfield, Hakeem Butler are kind of the uh, six. I do have Sherfield at least making the roster. I do think that unless there's going to be a fall off that he, whether it's the motivation or the catches or anything, and it'll be interesting to see. Cooper is the one who right now is at my seven, but because of the backing up and because of Bird's speed, with Kyler right. Murray, it's very possible that you may end up just having to say, hey, we got to move on from Cooper. Maybe you take a conditional seventh if he's able to play. Maybe you just end up having to be releasing him. I believe Bird and Sherfield are practice squad eligible if you do move on. And really that seventh spot, it may come down to the Cardinals signing or bringing. They've brought in a couple of wide receivers. They brought in, I believe, Terrence Williams over the last week as well was reported. We're not sure how that will go. But if they do bring in a guy who's going to be an outside X receiver – and you're talking about probably having to have only seven wide receivers just because of the special teams that you'll need to have more. Um, you need to have enough tight ends. And just with the constraints that they have, it would be nice if the NFL would open things up a bit. But since they haven't, those are the seven guys that I have right now at least. would be I'm including Cooper right now just because I think that between him and Bird, you can probably find a couple other guys like Bird. It's hard to find a Pro Bowl returner at least for each of those different spots. But that's what we have at least for the uh, 53-man roster. For that, um, I wanted to say before we moved on at least with everything to kind of the last part of the show, are there any other comments that you had at least for the most part about what you're feeling with this team so far? Um, just really excited to see them in action um, mm-hmm. and to see the depth, the, the young players, and see how they – they they do and the young quarterbacks I always love preseason from that standpoint is I love the little guy and the guy who wants to make the team and I'll watch every play um you know it's Mm -hmm. really fun to see young guys like last year with Dennis Gardick you know um Zeke Turner you know these young guys come in there and start making plays you you know gets you excited and you think, wow, what a dream come true. So, and we need more of that this year. It'd be interesting to see if any of the undrafted free agents make the team. Right. For me right now, I don't see any of them doing it, but let's just face it. We had like, you know, Mm -hmm. so many draft picks plus a supplemental pick. Um, Right. I think, I think the, I think the only one that we both have making the roster this year is Chris Jones because I believe he was an undrafted free agent. But I think that you're right. That's the uh, that's the only one that we're close on since we didn't have Pete Robertson on the uh, on the team at least for that just yet. We both had Joe Walker there. Maybe that right. changes some of that, but it'll be interesting to watch through for the most part. Um, but well, yeah, Jones has been around a couple of years, so yeah, it's not like he's a rookie undrafted. Not like he's a like rookie undrafted. So um, you know. Um, yeah, so it's going to be exciting. Are you going to the game? 
I will not be at that game. I, uh, week one was the game that I focused on. Uh, I'll be at least watching it for that one to see. And I know that's something we'll kind of do a brief preview to kind of wrap up the show tonight. Uh, we're probably not going to expect that much from Kyler Murray. We're guessing it'll be about maybe one drive. Maybe if it doesn't go as well, they'll have a second drive they'll bring him back out for. But most likely it'll be the Brett Hundley show up until either the end of the second quarter um, would be my guess. Right. And then the interesting thing to me will be, will it be Kanoff or Anderson who will get the first snaps? I would assume that Kanoff being the veteran would get the first shot of right. with the third team. And then you're probably looking at the whole fourth quarter. Or maybe it's just the end of the fourth quarter for Anderson, or maybe they'll split it up. We'll see how Cliff Kingsbury does it. If you see one third string quarterback potentially taking over and then it switches to another where one guy gets all of the reps and one guy doesn't. But there'll be plenty to watch for, I think, honestly. The um, matchups, we're not going to see too much, I think, of the pass rushing. We won't see as much of Bosa or Ingram, I would imagine. I think that you're going to end up seeing a lot of guys missing for the Chargers. And I think that you'll see a lot of guys for the Cardinals um, who aren't going to be there. I'll be very curious if Larry Fitzgerald gets any time at all. My guess is that he's not going to probably play at all. My guess is David Johnson. Maybe they get one snap or two and they both come off. But it wouldn't shock me if neither of them play at all and you get to see some of right. these other wide receivers who are able to um come in and make a splash so yeah is there anything else that you're looking forward to before we log off for tonight uh, i just want to make a one plug for uh, a competition i got going oh, great. Uh, i'll be updating the 53 each week with you know whoever's surprising uh seth's gonna do risers and fallers um you probably will too you know mm-hmm. you'll you'll do your game analyses and, you know, from week to week, the 53 can look, you know, very different from what we've seen in the game, which I sort of yep. love doing. But by the end of the fourth week, um, the competition is whoever gets the most of the 53 right gets a Kyler Murray T-shirt. <laughs> there you go. Rad T-shirts with him in the, in, the, uh, in the do-rag, the white do-rag. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, you know, or head, headband and with – a cardinal face. I don't know if you've seen these. It's yeah, on. they're hilarious. Yes. I, I just got one. I got mine. I love it. It's fantastic. Here, they have in every size. So uh, whoever gets the most of the 53 right um, is going to win that shirt. So, yep. be- so pay attention, Bird Gang, and make sure that you're submitting your 53 in the comments. Make sure you're reading through, keeping up on all of that, because that is, uh, if you wanted to tweet us some of that at Pod with your 53-man projection, or tweet that at Walter. Um, that would be awesome. We're looking for it, and I'm excited because we haven't done a contest in quite a while, at least for that. I know John and I have talked about stuff. It just hasn't come together for the most part. But um, if they wanted to tweet the 53-men to you, where would they go to, at least, Walt? Uh, it, if you're tweeting it, it's at WBJ Mitch. At WBJ Mitch. There we are. Yeah. All or, right. Or you can um, – you know, just write into the my articles and I'll get back to you. Yeah, that'll be the easiest. I know I go through and try to read through my comments. It's just hard to go through sometimes since I'm usually at work whenever people are reading it since I get everything done the night before and then posted. But if you do want to interact with me, send that 53-man roster my way. It'll be at Blake Murphy 7 as well. Do it up. That'll be it. Now, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Um, again, you can listen uh, however you've tuned into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We appreciate you guys, all of our listeners. We're happy to have Walter back on. We're hoping to have him on, on throughout some of the season. Hopefully, it'll be more as just a substitute for John. We'll be able to get everyone onto the pod at once would be nice. Um, I do know that um, 
if you're listening at least on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you guys could give us a like and uh, subscribe to that and give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We're also available on Spotify as well as Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher Radio, um, or any other major podcasting platform. TuneIn Radio, I believe, has us as well. Uh, thank you again for tuning in so much. Uh, you guys have a wonderful uh, day. Have a good time for the game. We'll be posting this essentially the morning of game day, so it'll be a nice little preview for that. And don't forget to rise up Red Z. Take care.